Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday night, and it is the third Sunday of the month, which means it's time for me to preach at Samanca Place. Third Sunday of the month, Samanca Place. And so here I am, as always. Uh, we're not live back at Samanca Place, but uh, uh, that's that's okay. We're still here online, as always. Uh, it is also the 21st of February, which means it's my sister's birthday. So a shout out to my sister, Diane. Happy birthday to you. I talked to you earlier. I hope you had a great day. Um, so tonight, I'm going to talk about something weird, um, more weird than I usually talk about, which I might, might surprise you, but uh, this one's really different. So um, God's put something on my heart through something I read. It's filled my mind with all sorts of stuff, and I'll be honest, I'm still kind of grappling with, with the enormity of the subject so I can get it kind of organized. Um, so I got some notes I'll be referring to. Uh, but I want you to buckle up for this one because it's it's like I said it's a little bit different than where I usually go. I, I've talked about the topic before, but never in kind of the details I'm going to tonight. Um, so I'm gonna start off with this. H have you ever seen that movie Constantine, the one with Keanu Reeves? You know the one I'm talking about, Show of Hands. Um, I love that movie. I probably shouldn't, but uh, it's where, where Keanu Reeves is this guy that uh, when he was young, he saw demons and he committed suicide and then, you know, they brought, he gets brought back to life and now he sees demons and now he's got to be an exorcist and um, it, it's kind of a fantasy kind of fun movie. Theologically, not even close. I mean, just really, it, it mixes uh, a whole bunch of stuff, Catholicism and some, uh, you know, exorcism things and, and it's not, it's, it's not, don't watch it if you're trying to figure out what the Bible says but it's it's you know it's good entertainment for what it's worth but there's one part of that movie that is really really accurate that we don't talk enough about in the church and it's this idea that satan is vying with god for our souls and i want to i want to make a point here that's really 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 important a lot of times we talk about satan and god satan and god satan and god satan and god it's really not a fight between those two. Remember, Satan is a created being. He's an angel that's fallen. He is not God. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not um, omnipresent. He has no attributes of God. And and he said he would put his throne higher than God's, and he got his butt kicked out of heaven for it. So don't don't ever mistake this idea that it's Satan fighting as an equal to God. It's not. But there is a battle going on. We're told this in Scripture over and over again. There's a battle raging between the angels, God's messengers, and, and the fallen third um, over us. And that's the part that I think that uh, uh, the Constantine movie got a little bit right. Um, they Hollywoodized it uh, and, and apparently never read Scripture. But that's okay. Like I said, it was entertaining. But that part uh, is interesting. Because if you go to church, how often do you hear about the battle that's going on? Now, of course, we hear about putting on the armor of God and, and you know, with the spiritual warfare. But I've never really seen anybody take a really deep dive on this stuff. Um, maybe it's because it's not interesting. Maybe it's because people don't want to hear it. Maybe because, uh, I don't know. Um, but for Jesus, this was such a reality. You know, you read the Gospels and he's he's finding demonized people and he's doing exorcisms and he's rebuking Satan and you know he's even brought to the desert for his temptation by by Satan right this was real and and if you are a follower of Jesus you can't help but believe this stuff right and it's not like it went away just because Jesus uh, was a, you know resurrected and ascended um, we, we you got to read your scripture right so the other night I was reading a book uh, and it was funny where I found this book. I, I got a present from my pastor 
for Christmas, and it was the Bible Explorer disc, and it was fun because it was an upgrade from the one I had. And Bible Explorer is kind of a pastor's tool where you can do exegetical, ex exegetical work, uh, look at word studies, there's commentaries, multiple versions of the Bible, there's maps, it's, it's a great little tool. But one of the things it has in there is books. And uh, when you first get this disc, it allows you to look at books for free that later on you'll have to pay for. So, of course, I, I tried to look at all the books. I tried to download or copy them. I couldn't do that. Um, but I read one, and I thought, gosh, I want to I wanna actually read part of it, and I want to get this book in my hands. Because, I'm I'm, as you can tell by my bookshelves behind me, I'm a book guy. And so this was one called The Truth About Angels and Demons by Tony Evans. Truth About Angels and Demons by Tony Evans. Now, Tony Evans is a, a pastor. Uh, he's actually a senior pastor out, and I'm reading this, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. Now, Tony Evans is a pretty uh, well-known guy. He's got a, a following of about 2.5 million people on his uh, Facebook or Twitter or social media, whatever the heck it is. Uh, he's done his radio shows. He's written books. Uh, I, actually, I didn't, I didn't recognize the name. I thought, God, I know Tony Evans. Who is this guy? But then I saw... Uh, his picture. And I'm, oh, yeah, Tony Evans. I know who that guy is. Um, so I read this book, and honestly, I do a lot of study on um, spiritual warfare because part of my ministry is dealing with people under spiritual warfare. And so I didn't expect to find anything new in the book. Uh, and it's only 61 pages, which I really like because I like digestible books. Uh, but there are a couple couple little gems in there. There, there i got to be honest. I was reading, oh, gosh, there's a couple little gems in here. And as I was, I was praying about it and thinking about some things he said, uh, God just said, you're going to preach on that Sunday night. I thought, wow, what a, what a big bite that's going to be. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot to chew. So I've been spending all afternoon, past two and a half, three hours, putting notes together, um, just trying to organize my thoughts on this. And I'll be honest, I, I've been under a little spiritual warfare as I've done it, trying, getting a little confused and forgetting pieces and um, doing some uncharacteristic things, getting a little frustrated. Uh, because I don't think Satan wants me to give this sermon. I just feel like I feel a little pressed right now, to be honest with you, a little, a little pressure. Um, but screw him, right? Let's go. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this anyway. No, nothing's going to stop me from preaching this tonight. So um, I want to start with a little background, because maybe you don't know much about angels and demons. Maybe you don't know uh, what we know from scripture about angels and demons. So I'm going to I want to kind of go in here and we're going to talk about the fall of Satan first, you know. Now now let's start from the beginning. Satan was like the number one angel. He was the guardian cherub. I mean, you know, there's cherubs and seraphims and you know different the different ranks of angel. Well, he was the number one guy, right? And he was called Lucifer, and he was the angel of light, and he was the most beautiful of all the angels. So when he was created by God, and the hierarchy of angels were made, you had Lucifer, and then you had Michael and Gabriel underneath him, right? So that, those three were kind of the, the in charge of stuff. And then you can get into some of the Jewish writings, and you'll find out names of other angels like Raphael and some of that. I don't know how accurate that stuff is. I just go over what scripture says here. And so when you read uh, about this, we know that that uh, Satan, uh, before he was Satan, he was Lucifer. Lucifer was pretty proud. He was pretty proud of himself, right? And he had free will, and he said he would put his throne higher than God's. He thought he should be God, basically. And again, God wasn't pleased about that and kicked him out. And a third of the angels actually were behind Satan. They were like, yeah, mutiny, let's, let's, let's throw, throw God. And uh, they were all swept out of heaven. And where? They're here. They're swept down to earth. Um, lucky us, right? Uh, so let me let me read what what some scripture says about this to set the set the stage about what we're going to talk about when it comes to demons and angels and all this kind of stuff. This is Ezekiel, 
chapter 28, verses 13 through 19. In this version, I'm reading the ESV, okay? So this is talking about Satan. It says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And the crafted and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. I mean, he had everything, right? On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. Okay, there it is. You were an anointed guardian cherub. Satan was like number one. I placed you, God, placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stone of fire. You walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. <coughs> Excuse me. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in, the, in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you. O guardian cherub from the midst of the stone fire, your heart was proud because of your beauty. <coughs> Excuse me. Your you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I expose you before kings to feast their eyes on you. So let me go back on this. This is Ezekiel again. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. Again, like I said, he, he was the most beautiful thing. He thought he was better than God, right? He was proud. He wanted to be God, right? And he got cast out because he was corrupted. He corrupted his wisdom, which is, you know, the what's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of God, right? You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of splendor, for the sake of yourself, splendor, okay? Excuse me, one second. <coughs> Man, I hate when I cough like that. I apologize. So that that's a great explanation of what happened. Um, and we, do we know when it happened? No, I don't know when it happened. Some people say it happened before Genesis, right? Some people ha say it happened between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Ah, we don't know when it happens. And honestly, it doesn't even matter when it happens. It just happened. So let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. How are how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? That's they're talking about uh, again, Lucifer. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to Sheol. To the far reaches of the pit. And basically saying, <laughs> in a good effort, you tried to be number one and now you're number like a bazillion. Uh, you're going down to hell. Okay, so that's that's Isaiah. Let's get some New Testament. Luke 10, 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like the lightning from like lightning from heaven. This is Jesus. I think it was Jesus saying he saw Satan fall. And then in Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So, you know, and, and there's more. There's more sermon or verses on this on, on this particular episode. Um, a lot of the verses you read about Satan have uh, talk about him going to hell or being locked in chains and, you know, the revelation piece. But these four uh, verses talk more about uh, how he got kicked out of heaven. And it's pretty pretty clear. He, he he was pretty, uh, he thought he was pretty, was prideful about it, thought he should, uh, since he was the number one guy, he should be the number one guy, not God, tried to set his throne above God, and God kicked him and his, his supporters out. And they they sinned, they were evil in their hearts, right? Um, they gave up heaven for their pride, their sin. So, um, it, 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 it's fascinating when, when you read this, 
because there there's a section of the church, big big C church, that doesn't believe it. You know, there's people that just don't believe in Satan and hell and, and demons and all those things. But like I said, I do because, um, you know, Jesus did. You know, the bottom line is Jesus believed in this stuff. We, we read the Gospels, and if you're going to believe the Gospels, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, you kind of have to believe what Jesus said. And there it is, right there. Okay? So what, is, what does that mean? I want to read to you the, uh, uh, this piece from Ephesians that's well known. I mean, you, you hear you you get preached on this part, and I always preach about the armor of God, right? And you get a pastor get up there and they'll talk about you know the the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, and they'll talk about the different pieces of it and making your stand on this. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go a, a different route here tonight, at least as we set this up. Ephesians six eleven and twelve say this: Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay, so we know the devil. Satan has schemes against us. The reality is this. His fight, his pride, the fact that he wanted to, to sit on God's throne hasn't changed, right? So now he's down here, and what does he try to get us to do? He tries to get us to sit on God's throne. Everything that Satan tries to get us to do is to pretend we're God and God's not. So instead of us doing what God wants us to do, instead of us doing God's will, what we do is our will because we know better. And, and that's the fight. So this, this battle that rages is Satan's always trying to convince us that God's ways are not right, that we can't trust him, that he's not good. And every kind of temptation you see is just this questioning of God. And he puts this little questioning of God. And what he's trying to get you to do is choose your own way instead of God's way. Okay? So that's the devil's schemes. So, so he says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You've got to be able to fight against the devil's schemes. Now, this is the part we're going to zero in on right now. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You go, what does that mean? Uh, um, some people say, well, that's a hierarchy of angels. They're like, well, how do you know that? What is a power of this dark world? I mean, how is that a, how is that a hierarchy of angels? I'm glad you asked. did a little study on this today. In, in the Jewish culture, and remember, uh, this, this, is, this is Ephesians, so the Apostle Paul is writing this. Paul was a Pharisee, remember? He was, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he knew all, the, not just the Jewish scripture, you know, the, the law and the prophets and the sayings, but he knew about all of the, uh, the Midrash and the Haggadah, and, I, and he knew everything. And in Jewish culture, those words, those ideas about powers and authorities and rulers and all that stuff, that meant fallen angels in, in that culture. And so when you look at this, um, I, I, I get this dictionary I like to use. It's called Ewell's Theological Dictionary. Oh, no, Ewell's Evangelical Theological Dictionary. Sorry, I forgot the word evangelical. Holy knocker. I might get in trouble for that. And it's a giant book, giant book, um, that Dictionary of Theology. I can't even get the name right in the same. It's a second edition, by the way, if you're interested. Um, it has a, an essay on just any topic in the Bible that you want. It's really, really good. And so I was looking up what principalities and powers were. Let's look at this thing and see what it says. And so I want to just read you a, a little section of this here. Um, it talks about uh, that principalities and authorities or powers refer to cosmic intelligences, occasionally angelic, this is the Jewish version, but usually demonic. 
Okay, so there's 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 usually when you're talking about principalities, authorities, or powers, it's demonic. And uh, uh, other similar powers are called dominions or thrones or rulers. All right. And so when Paul's talking about this in Ephesians, he's talking about demonic forces. And so uh, this this book laid this out. I liked it in in six areas. And I want to go just read it. So so bear with me tonight, because I'm going to get into kind of deep stuff here. There are six areas that can be delineated where uh, the drama of principalities and powers play out. Okay, so let's go creation. In the creation plan, the powers were designed as good spirits. They were created by Christ and subjected to his lordship. That's Colossians 1.16. The fall. For reasons undisclosed in the New Testament, some spirits, spirit powers separated from Christ. That's in Jude 6. In a rupture of cosmic proportions, 2 Peter 2.4. Necessitating atonement. So these, these angels fell. Defeat by Christ. In his ministry, Jesus resisted satanic temptation, that's Luke 4, and conquered evil spirits, Luke 4.35, delegating, uh, delegating this power to his disciples, Mark 3.15. In his death, he disarmed the forces of evil, that's Colossians 2. In his resurrection and, and exaltation, he subjected them to his lordship, so they were subjected back to his lordship, Ephesians 1.20-22, 1, 1 Peter 3.22. Christians are enthroned with Christ and share this victory and ought to live accordingly, Colossians 2. Number four, learning. The spirit powers, these are the bad guys, who are not omniscient, they don't know everything, learn the manifold wisdom of God by witnessing the historic experience of the church, Ephesians 3.10. They watch us and they learn. And that's why we have uh, dysfunction through families, right? You can have a demonic uh, uh, entity that travels through families throughout time, and that's why you have dysfunction upon dysfunction upon dysfunction upon dysfunction, because they, they learn. Um, number five, continuing warfare. Although defeated and under instruction, the spirit powers have not yet surrendered. The vestiges of their power continue to corrupt the disobedient, Ephesians 2.2. The Christian's most powerful and deceitful enemies are still demonic, Ephesians 6.12. But God's power is stronger, Ephesians 6.10-11, through 11, and no evil power will separate the Christian from the love of God. And that's in Romans 8. Total defeat. The days of this warfare are numbered, and the outcome is certain. With the consummation of the kingdom of God, the evil powers will be robbed of all uh, malignant efficiency, which is 1 Corinthians 15.24. Wow. Okay, so let me. you're probably reeling from that, but let me go again. So Satan and his de demons were involved. They were created beings. They were all considered good when they were created. They fell, right? They, 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 they disconnected from God because Satan and those who supported him thought they would rise above God. They're defeated by Christ at the cross. And we're going to get into that a little bit. They are absolutely learning through history. Learning, learning, learning. They, they don't know everything, right? They're more powerful than us. David said, you made us a little lower than the angels. Well, we're a little lower than the demons, right? They're more powerful, they're smarter, they're faster, all that stuff. But they learn. They're continuing to fight us. And we have ultimate victory. That, that, that's those six things. Um, so these, our fight, our fight is not against flesh and blood, Paul tells us. It's not against people. It's against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. It's the spiritual evil demonic forces. 
That, that's what this, this verse says. Now, let me just stop there. Do you believe the Bible or not? Because that, that's really what the question comes down to. Do you believe the Bible or not? Because if you believe the Bible, there is a spiritual warfare, warfare taking place. Uh, there's a war against us, uh, uh, and, and angels uh, and demons are fighting over us. If you don't believe it, well, you know, you're fat, dumb, and happy. So good luck, and let me know how it works out for you when you meet Jesus. Um, for me, I actually, I, you, you, your eyes open as you get older. I don't know, as you become more mature in the faith, you get deeper in there, maybe you get older and wiser or whatever, your eyes open, you start to see it. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about, is how to see this stuff with your spiritual eyes, instead of just reading scripture and going, well, I guess it's true, right? Uh, but there are these demonic forces out there. And this is important that our fight's not against flesh and blood, because what we learn and we're going to talk about is how these demonic forces use people, use people in some ways to, 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 as, the ends, to as the means to the end. Right? They, they will use false prophets. They will, they will whisper in people's ears. They will do different things. And we'll get into some of that stuff. So one of the things that Evans wrote in his little book uh, is, uh, and this fascinated me, this was the part where I've read this uh, dozens of times, and it just, it just surpassed me. I just missed it over my head until I read this Evans book. Evans went into uh, the, the prophet Daniel, and uh, uh, he was reading out of Daniel 10. And I'm going to read you a section here that's a little long. But, um, yeah, it, it, this is really good. And there's a section here that's so important for us. It says, On the 24th day of the first month, as I, and that's Daniel, was standing on the bank of the great river of the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold of Ufaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like gleams of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Okay, that's not a man. That That's that's an angel. Okay. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So they didn't see the angel, but they knew something was not right, right? And they, they screamed off. It's kind of like when Paul had his experience with Jesus, right? No one else heard it, but they were like, something's going on. So I, David, or Daniel, was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left in me. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and, I was, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are, who are highly esteemed, Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been been sent to you. Okay, who sent? God sends his messenger angel. Now remember, angels are messengers of God, where demons are Satan and his fallen angels. Okay, okay. Uh, then he continued, "Not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Listen to this: your words were heard, his prayers." And I have come in response to them. I've come in response to your prayers. Now listen to this carefully. Here we go. Verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. I'm going to go back to verse 13 here real quick. What, what do you mean you were delayed? What does that mean? God heard your prayer, and he was, and this angel was sent to him to respond and say what God's answer was to the prayer, right? 
but the prince of per the Persian kingdom resisted me. When I was reading Tony Evans, you know, I've read past that a dozen times, and I thought I didn't even it didn't even register to me, right? The prince of prince of Persian kingdom, whatever. I'm reading this Evans book, and he says, "Now wait, 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 slow down. Realize what that is. Th that's a demon. That, that's a, the demon. I mean, this is an angel saying he was delayed. An angel can't be delayed by a king, any earthly person. He, but this angel was delayed by the Persian, the prince of the Persian kingdom. That's a demon. A demon was delaying him, keeping him from getting down to David in, in, in uh, uh, where he was. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on, on the town or what it, what it was. Um, so, so, so what? How, how can the demon be over a kingdom? How can a demon be the prince of the Persian kingdom? Does that mean that demons overrule the earth in different regions or countries? Does, does every country have a have a have a demon that's over the top of it? We're going to get to that in a minute. So here's David, and he is uh, um, he, he's got this prayer, and he can't get it answered. He's been delayed 21 days. Then says, then Michael, one of the chief princes, Michael, the archangel Michael, came to help this other angel, and was able to uh, uh, you know fight off this 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 prince of the Persian kingdom enough for the messenger to get through to David. That's I, I, that's fascinating to me, because the implications of that are massive, right? The implication here is that. A demon had authority over the Persian kingdom. Now, we know that Satan is the prince of this world. We know that this world has been given to him. At one point he says to Jesus, if you just bow down, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world that you can see, uh, because they're mine, and they're mine to give. See, when 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 creation happened, and, and God put Adam and Eve here, uh, creation was ours. And when they fell, creation was taken from them. And, and Satan was given creation. He is the prince of this world, not us. And here we are in Daniel saying that there is a prince over the Persian region, and that's a demon. And, and in order to get a message through to Daniel, you needed Archangel Michael to come and fight that demon off. <laughs> wow, right? So think about this. How in the world? How in the world? Yeah, I think you got to go back to the Tower of Babel. And I was I was talking to a young man today whose pastor was speaking about this and uh, sharing sharing this idea. And I thought, yeah, the guy's right on. Tower of Babel. Before the people of the Tower of Babel, when you read that story, you start making this 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 tower to get to heaven and be like God. Before God separated them by region and tongue, right? They all believed in the same God. They were, they were all trying to get to God and be like God and be above God. God. They all knew it. So when God separates them by, by tongue and by, by region, right? We've got to separate these people. They're knuckleheads. Who's their God? The same God, right? The same, they, they should know the same God. Yet, yet, every region or state or country or however you want to say this, has a demon because Satan's the prince of this world, and their demon was over that land. Oh, okay, what 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 does Satan do? Okay, let's go back to to Satan Satanology 101. 
he twists scripture. He, he's the father of lies. But I would say he's the father of half lies, right? And he tries to make you think God is not good. And so what he did to these people in all these other places is there's a demon over all these other places except Israel. Because scripture says that Michael, the archangel, is the angel of, of Israel that protects Israel. All these other places, they got demons to whisper in their ear, create new religions, false gods, all sorts of that stuff. It fascinates me. It fascinates me to think that in the spiritual realm, all this stuff is happening uh, way above our heads and we never think about it. We never give a, we never give a wide iota of thought. So let's, here's a question. Is there a demon, because Satan's the prince of this world, a demon that is kind of overseeing America? Now, I'm not saying that they're puppets and that they're making things happen, but they're sure whispering, aren't they? I mean, come on, think about it. If you're a Christian, think about it. Hollywood. Think about all the institutions, how corrupt they are. Right? Racism. Think about uh, think about all the evil that happens in the world. Just all the evil that happens in America. Where does that come from? You know, when you meet your neighbors, they're good people. I mean, everyone you meet seems to be okay. How in the world can everything be so crappy when everyone you meet seems okay? <laughs> well, they're not okay. Because at at this high level, Satan's the prince of this world. It, 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 yeah, we don't see it. And some people don't want to see it. I'll be honest with you. They don't believe it or they don't want to see it. Sorry, you're going to see it tonight. So it's not just this idea that Satan's the prince of the world and maybe he has these princes that oversee these regions or even countries at this point in our, in our existence. And what are they trying to do? Rot war. They're trying to uh, create strife and, and disunity, and they're trying to make sure God is not part of those countries, right? And that's why Scripture says, uh, God says, if you would just come to me, I'd be your God, and, and you would be my people. And, and the, the, these, these demonic forces are trying to keep people from getting God involved in their lives. So in America, you know, you could talk about everything from kicking God out of the schools and the public, and the public realm to abortion to, you, you know, pick your poison, and it's demonic. It just is, right? It's against God. Um, but individually, it happens to us too. I mean, don't think it just happens at this high, high level and it doesn't really affect you individually because it happens to you individually and personally. So let me kind of go, and I'm going to go back to the Evans book real quick. Okay, I'm going to go back to page 33 of this book. It's, again, it's only 62 pages, so it's not too bad. Um, <laughs> he gets done talking about Daniel here. And he says... This figure was a demon acting on the orders of Satan. He goes, look, he goes, look, the actions of leaders such as Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and Saddam Hussein leave no doubt that demons are actively involved in manipulating the course of nations. Well, demons are also actively involved in manipulating the course of your life, right? You're influenced in every way. So I'm going to go to another section of the Ewell. I'm going to say this right this time. Evangelical Dictionary of Theology. And I'm going to go to a section, a section that talks about demons. Okay? And uh, I am going to read you really quickly the major characteristics in the Gospels, the synoptic Gospels. That's that's uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, according, recording of Jesus' encounters with demons. Okay, so we're going to talk about when Jesus encountered demons. 
there is a statement concerning the physical or mental affliction attributed to the demonic control. So demons can affect you physically and mentally. It included nakedness, mental anguish, and mas masochism. Remember the guy that was cutting himself with rocks? Know anybody that cuts? I'm just saying. It gives the inability to speak, blindness, lunacy. There's other characteristics. Um, super, supernatural knowledge, ability to foretell the future, uh, superior or uncontrollable strength. There's all sorts of different things that happen. Now, this is where I need to pause pause as I get all energized. I want to pause here and say, look, there's a lot of discernment that has to happen when you're dealing with demon issues, right? When you're dealing with spiritual warfare, you get, when you get somebody who has an issue, not everything is demonic. There's not Satan behind every bush. Sometimes what we get is because we have fallen bodies. You know, for example, I have arthritis. It's not because I sinned. It's not because I have a demon. It's because I have arthritis. I have, my, I have a crappy immune system. Um, not every time someone has depression, it's because uh, demonic forces. You, your brain chemicals don't work, okay? You have to discern the organic, which is your body's fallen system, versus the spiritual. And there are very important, very thick line between those two things that you can very much discern. But you cannot throw out of hand the fact that sometimes people have things that are spiritual afflictions and not organic afflictions. And it's very, very important that you buy into that because that's what Scripture says. I'm not making this stuff up. Just read the Gospels. And so what I just read you out of this dictionary was not from this guy just saying, hey, I think I believe this. It's like the synoptic Gospels claim this. It says this. So you can be affected um, physically with illnesses and sicknesses and all sorts of stuff. You can be affected mentally, right? You can be affected uh, emotionally. You can be affected spiritually. I knew a woman who was affected um, uh, in, a, in, a, uh, in a way. Um, and we had to discern, uh, was it organic or was it, was it spiritual? She could not pick up the Bible and read it. She could not sometimes even attend church. And she was a believer. Okay, which is that? Is that, is that organic? Is she, is she just got a mental health issue? Or is she got a demonic issue? Right? You got to discern that. You got you to figure it out. And, and honestly, it was both. <laughs> she had some mental health issues and she had some demonic issues. Um, you got to be able to discern these things. But, but a lot of our Christian uh, brothers and sisters throw this stuff out of hand. They just don't believe that you're going to be affected by a demon in these ways. And I don't think you can do that. I just don't think that if you read scripture, you can just throw that stuff out, right? So uh, there's a further thing that happens. We're told repeatedly that there's going to be false prophets and false teachers in the church. And that they are the mouthpieces of these demons. And what's interesting is there's scripture says there's going to come a time when people will kill you thinking they're doing the will of God. And there's false teachers and false prophets out there that actually think they're doing the will of God. They actually think that they're in the faith, that they're doing what Scripture says. When in fact, they're being puppeted because of whispers from Satan, twisting Scripture, and they're false prophets and false teachers. And we're told, look out for them. They're not just out there. They're in the church. They're in the church. So, yeah. So here's, here's something that was in the Evans book. Um, this wasn't new to me. 
uh, again, when I was reading the Evans book, it wasn't like it, there was a Shazam, wow, uh, except for that Prince of Persia piece. But uh, I like the way he puts this. So I'm going to read you something about uh, this idea of how to look with your spiritual eyes. You know, we talked about that we're in a spiritual warfare, right? You don't see this in our temporal plane. You don't, you don't see demons and angels and you don't see it. It's not like the movies. It's not like Constantine where you actually can see this stuff. You don't. It's a spiritual realm. Do we understand it? No, we don't. We just don't understand it. But we know it's true because the Bible says it. And if you've ever had any kind of spiritual experience whatsoever, you know it's true. Okay? So how do you, how do you look at the spirit world if you're not looking at it with your eyes? Well, I like the way this guy put it. And so I'm going to read you uh, on pages 28 and 29 how, how he writes this. Okay, it says, although angels may occasionally make themselves manifest, and oh, I got a story about that sometime we'll talk about, not this time. That is by far the exception in their ministry. That is, that in their ministry is largely unseen. This is another reason the focus of our lives as Christians has to be on the invisible world, the invisible world. There is an important verse in 2 Corinthians 4.18. Speaking of the Christian life, Paul writes, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay? This is all temporal. This is going to go away. But what we can't see, the spirit world, that's eternal. That's going to last forever. Don't expect to see heaven open and the angels moving up and down your ladder. He's talking about, remember Jacob's ladder where he had this dream of angels moving up and down the ladder? Um, don't expect to see that with your physical eyes. You're not going to. You may think you have when instead it was the pizza you ate at midnight. I love this guy. He's like, you didn't see it. Trust me, um, the spiritual world is unseen and raises the question, how can I look at the things that are unseen? A great question, right? Here's his answer. If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. That's Colossians 3, 1 through 2. For the results that are spiritual, you have to set your focus on the things of God. And that's why we're told, keep your eyes on heaven, not on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. Do this in heaven, not You know, we're always supposed to be keeping our eye on heaven. What, what is heaven? Heaven is the spiritual world. Now, don't get me wrong. If you learn to see the unseen, you'll see more than you've ever thought possible. And that's kind of, i got to be honest, in my life, I hate to even say it out loud, but it's true. I'm seeing more. My eyes are being opened to more of the spirit world than um, it's ever been before. While you're thinking about that one, <laughs> let me point out to you Abraham, who lived by faith, which is defined in the book of Hebrews as the convictions of things not seen. Okay, stop there. Abraham was, was a hero of the faith. Hebrews 11 is where this is at. Abraham is Father Abraham, the founder of the nations, right? Uh, Father Abraham. And he was who lived by faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And faith is defined as the conviction, meaning you're absolutely convinced of things not seen. Okay? Later in the same chapter, we're told that Abraham kept on going by faith because he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He's looking for the heavenly Jerusalem. Cool one. Abraham functioned in the invisible temporal world with an invisible eternal perspective. Let me say that again. Abraham functioned in the temporal world, this world, but his, his, his perspective was eternal in the invisible world. 
This perspective affected every move and every decision he made. The bridge connecting the seen and the unseen world is the ladder we have been talking about, this ladder where you're going to see the heavenly world, the effects of which can only be seen by the eyes of faith. You want to see the unseen world, it's about faith. It's about spirit. It, 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 it's about, about belief. You know, that's why I say there's a lot of Christians who don't believe in Satan. They don't believe in demons. They don't believe in uh, all this stuff. They pick and choose from the Bible what they want to believe. And they, they look at stuff and go, that could never happen. That, that's nonsense, right? They have no faith. And so they'll never see, they'll never see the unseen world. And you know how dangerous that is? You know how much, you know how easy pickings that is? Now, anybody in the military out there, um, you know how easy it is as a sniper to white whack somebody uh, who's not paying attention? I mean, honestly. So if you're Satan, you take take the uh, take the low-hanging fruit. Take take the ones that aren't aren't paying attention. How many Christians aren't paying attention? I would say most, honestly. So um, the question that begs is: Do you see just with your eyes, your temporal eyes, or do you look to the battle raging in the spiritual realm, and do you get it right? I'm going to go back to Evans here on page 45 and, and make a point about spiritual warfare that to me just went, you know, kind of tied things up. He says, look, we see spiritual warfare in our world because when Satan attempted to overthrow the overthrow of God and it didn't work, he set about to corrupt the seed of mankind. So remember, he fails. He ends up falling from heaven. He gets to earth. He says, well, screw up your plan, God. I'll, I'll get mankind. So he makes Adam and Eve sin, right? God said to Satan, because you thought you could win this war through my lesser creation, man, Adam and Eve, I'm going to use this lesser creation to defeat you by showing you that even a lesser creature who is obedient to me is greater than a superior being who rebels against me. That's Jesus. Now, Jesus was fully man and fully God. So he was saying, and remember, Jesus uh, had this thing called the kenosis. He emptied himself of all of his divine authority, and he only relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. He only did what the Father told him. He didn't act out in any of his uh, uh, divine capacity uh, as he lived, even though he was God and man. So God said, I will use my lesser creation to overthrow you because he's obedient and you're not. I just love that. I thought that was really good. So where does all this leave us? You know, we got we have battle raging around us, angels and demons fighting each other over us. Um, you got you got demons that are uh, over countries that have domain and dominion over us. Um, that that are, are you got demons that are in the personal realm trying to trying to get you to to believe lies that will bring you farther from God, and make you rebel against Him, and believe He's not good and He's not true, He's not real, He's not anything, and draw you away from Him. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm not just talking about the unbelievers who've already been blinded by Satan. I'm talking about Christians too. You got false prophets in the church. You got false teachers teaching crap. And it's amazing. And, and you know, watch this. How many how many celebrity pastors have you seen fallen? Why do you think they fell? Think about that one for a minute, right? Do you think Satan had anything to do with that? Of course, their demons did. I mean, you take a guy like Bill Hybels. I like Bill Hybels. He's a great speaker, great leadership guru. He had the uh, uh, Global Leadership Summit for years. He was a, like this super, super respected guy. And then it finds out he was uh, you know, harassing and doing worse things to women. And uh, um, boom, he's out of there, gone. His voice is gone, out of the Christian realm. 
and Christians have been very unforgiving of anybody that, that has sexual immorality as a pastor, right? We just go, oh, you know, X on you. And, and Satan won because he fell to temptation. He fell to Satan. He believed some of his own press clippings. Um, and yeah, I mean, Satan's very, very, very active. You got to see it. Okay, so where does this leave us? Um, I don't think you can re reject this idea. I, I, if you reject the idea of demons and all of this stuff, you reject Jesus because he believed it and you're saying Jesus is wrong. And if Jesus is God, he can't be wrong. Um, I just don't fall into that camp. I can't do it. And I've seen too much of the spirit world to even say that I couldn't believe that. I've seen too much. Um, Peter tells us in uh, 1 Peter 5a, be alert and of sober mind. Okay, be alert. Okay, got to be, be have your head on a swivel and be of sober mind. <laughs> you know, sober mind. We're told a lot of times have sober judgment. Be of sober mind. Be clear thinking, right? Don't don't be too this way. Don't be too that way. Be sober minded. How are you sober minded? You look at scripture, and and scripture is what keeps you sober minded. It says this: Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Peter should know, right? Jesus said, "Hey, Peter, Satan wants to sift you, but I've prayed for you." Jesus intervened on his behalf because Satan was going to crush Peter. Right. Now, but didn't we say earlier that that um, Satan should go after the low-hanging fruit? Right. Think about this for a second. I love the imagery. Uh, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. You ever watch those nature shows where lions attack like a group of antelope or whatever the heck they're going to get? You ever notice that they call out the sick, the slow, the young? Do you think that Satan doesn't do the thing he think too? He calls out the unbelieving, the questioning, the agnostic, the the, the 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 person that won't give in to God, the person that wants to to just you know have it their way and God's way, the person that that won't submit themselves. Don't you think that he just calls calls out that person and pounces? You're the one they're looking to devour. Trust me. And and it's it's true. You can see it in their lives. So Paul says, um, we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices or his schemes. That's 2 Corinthians 2.11. We're not to be ignorant of his schemes. And we know what his scheme is. Look, he's not that bright, okay? He always uses half-truths to try to convince us that God is wrong and that we know better than God. And so whether it's you've decided that something in the Bible that God says is a sin is not because you know better, or you've decided that um, something in the Bible says there's a, there's a sin called Satan and demons. You go, that's just Old Testament. That doesn't happen in today's day and age. Or you, uh, you know, pick your poison. Uh, I had someone once tell me in a Bible study that was leading the Bible study. Um, it said, uh, it was a story in Acts about how 3,000 people that day were brought to Christ. And the guy said, oh, that didn't happen. They just, th th that's just uh, numerology and they're just exaggerating. I'm like, oh my God. And this guy's teaching a Bible study at a church, right? Um, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. He will convince you that the word of God is false. That it's just the word of men. He will convince you that Jesus was a great teacher and maybe even a prophet, but not the son of God, not God himself. He will teach you uh, as he whispers in your ear that um, if God were a loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? 
he will talk to you in your ear and say things like, um, if, if you don't love me, you're going to hell. That's the kind of God you have. I mean, all the arguments against God, where do you think they come from? Do you think that people are smart enough to come up with that themselves? No, that's demons playing this game. So, what do we do? I mean, what, what, do, we, what do we do? What do we do? Well, Scripture tells us what to do, okay? I'm going to go through 1 John 4, 1 through 4. And uh, this is John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, Jesus the Messiah has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is, uh, confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. The Holy Spirit that's in you is greater than Satan. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. The world's not going to listen to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the very first thing you got to do, you know, if you want to discern this this whole spiritual realm stuff that we're talking about tonight, the very first thing you have to do is discern the spirits. And the very first part of discerning spirits is, do they say that Jesus is Lord or not? Right? Or do they equivocate? I know some people will say, well, yeah, Jesus is Lord, but. The yeah, but people. <laughs> okay. Next. We have to remember that our fight's not against flesh and blood. And this is really, really hard because it seems like it's against flesh and blood because they're the ones yammering in front of us, right? It seems like people that are evil, we want to take on the people and not understand that they have been blinded by Satan and Satan is whispering in their ears and they are, they are acting out demonic things because demons have convinced them to do these things, right? And again, Discern the spirits could be, you know, the mental health guy that pushes someone on the railroad tracks. It's not because the demon made him do it. Or it could be because the demon made him do it, right? I, we have a schizophrenic that is a, a great guy. We've known him for years in our church, and when he's on his meds, he's fantastic. When he's off his meds, he's a lunatic. Um, he, at one point, was, was talking to a woman uh, in our church, and she was talking to him about spiritual warfare kind of things. And um, <laughs> this, this guy said... The voices are telling me to hurt you. Is that organic? Could be, because schizophrenic are voices. Or is it demonic? Could be, because the voices were telling him to hurt her, and she's an ordained minister. Um, you got to discern these things, right? So, um, but our fight's not, you know, this, this, my buddy, my buddy, the schizophrenic, my fight's not against him. I know it's not him. Even if it's demonic, it's not him. It, it, it's the demonic process here. It's the control. It, it's the whispering. It, it's, it's, it's the demons that are using him. And so you can't hate that guy. He's made in the image of God. you got to love that guy. But you got to fight the spirits. Okay? So, um, next. Next. Not only are we to put on the armor of God, let me remind you what that is. I'm going to start, I'm not going to put it in the right order, but here we go. Helmet of salvation. It guards your mind. Breastplate of righteousness. It guards your heart right? Your emotions. The shield of faith, it guards your physical body. Fitted feet with the readiness that comes with the gospel. It allows you to stand your ground. It allows you to be bold and not run away and be a chicken, okay? The belt of truth, 
The belt of truth holds the sword of the Spirit, which is your only offensive weapon you have, which is the Word of God, right? Remember that when Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert, how Jesus fought him off was with the Word of God, right? He didn't argue. He just quoted Deuteronomy, okay? But there's more. Once you have your armor on, right, you got to be able to rebuke the, the, G the demons in Jesus' name. you got to be able to rebuke demons. We're given that authority. Let me read it to you. James 4, 7. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? I've said this before, but things are going to get worse for us. And I'm not just talking Christians. I'm talking the world. Um, we've been joking today, some of us, that we've had, uh, we've had really bad fires here, turning the sky like blood red. And then we have this big ice storm that knocks out power. We've been out without power for 10 days, and it's going to be like another seven before they get us on. Thank goodness we have a generator so I can preach. Um, what next? Earthquakes? Locusts? Floods? Frogs? I don't know. Something, something's going on, right? Something's going on in the world. We joke about it, but something's going on in the world. Um, there's many of us that know it and feel it and in our spirit, and, and it's going to get worse. Um, but we're told by Jesus that we're not to fear because he has overcome the world. That's John 16, Don't fear. He's overcome the world. And we're to keep our eyes on heavenly things, spiritual things, not earthly things. We're not supposed to care about earthly things. And this is what drives me just bananas with, with the current state of Christianity. Most Christians, especially conservative Christians like myself, are more concerned about who the president is than they are about Jesus. They're more concerned about things of this temporal world than they're concerned about the spiritual warfare that's happening and the birthing pains that are going on that are moving us to the end. They're more concerned about their lifestyle here in America than they are about the meeting they're going to have with Jesus at the end of their life. And there's a great story in scripture where Jesus is telling this parable and this guy has this, this barn and he has all his stuff in it, but he's got more stuff. And he says, tell you what, I'm going to build a bigger barn so I can put more stuff in it and that will be fantastic. And uh, an angel comes and says, you're a fool because tonight your very life will be demanded of you and everything you own is going to go to somebody else, right? He didn't keep his eyes on heavenly things. He kept his eyes on earthly things and, you know, he's going to lose everything. So we've got to keep our eyes on heavenly things. You've got to mature enough in your faith where you believe what Scripture says. Remember, faith is having conviction of the things unseen, right? You've got to have faith. And when you have faith, your eyes will be open to a spiritual world. And then we'll see things that we've never seen before. And when you have your eyes open to those spiritual things, um, we're no longer blinded by Satan. And we see things. And Constantine's movie was right. You will see things in a spiritual way. And what you'll know is this, you're completely protected. You have nothing to worry about. God's got you because you are his and nothing can take you from his hand. You are sealed on the forehead uh, by the Holy Spirit. His mark is on you. You're fine. But others aren't. And this is why I'm an evangelical. I want to share Jesus with those who aren't, who maybe are blinded by Satan, who don't see the spiritual war, who have no idea about the battle taking place between between good and evil, who don't understand that there are demons trying to um, uh, demonize them and oppress them and get them to do things against God. And there are angels out there as messengers of God trying to help us along and, and, and fall in line and, and do God's will so that we can, can you know, fully know the love of God. It, it's an incredible battle that's raging. And uh, you can be part of it, uh, I feel as if I'm part of it, um, or you can like just ignore it, I guess. Um, 
but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist just because you ignore it, right? Uh, so I, I just want to encourage you tonight. It's a weird, it's a weird sermon, I know, uh, and I'm not sure I've articulated any of it worth a darn. But um, I just think it's so important that we, as the body of Christ, understand that we're the body of Jesus Christ. You can't ignore the things He said. And he's told us point blank there is a spiritual war going on and that we are to be fighting in it on God's side, right? And so my encouragement to you is be bold. We are children of the Most High. Nothing can nothing can stand in our way. Um, we are not to be taken uh, aback by the schemes of Satan. We're supposed to know what they are and we're supposed to fight against them. you got to keep your eyes on heavenly things. you got to have faith which is the conviction of things unseen. You've just got to have to absolute belief and your eyes will be open to things and you'll look around this world and go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I see it. And when you get to that place, um, yeah, your world will change. Your world will change and you'll become a Jesus freak like I am. <laughs> you'll become one of these guys that's like, we got to tell people the truth. We got to tell people about this. And you know what? They're going to think you're nuts and there's probably some of you watching me tonight think you're just absolutely out of your gourd, Tom. Okay, I'm fine. I'm out of my gourd. Um, but you know what? There's going to come a day that maybe when you put your eyes on the heavenly things and you see Jesus and you look around this world and you see uh, what, what a circus it is that Satan's created, um, then you'll see it too. And that's my hope for you. That's my prayer for you, that your eyes would be open that you would have an awakening of a sense, that, that, that you, would, you would take this idea and pray, Father, open my eyes to the spiritual world so that I can see what I'm supposed to see and do what I'm supposed to do. Because we're all in this together as the church, and that's why we need each other so badly. We need to lift each other up and edify each other and encourage one another, because this battle is a bear. It's not easy, it's not fun, and it's going to last, right? And that's why we're supposed to keep our eyes looking for Jesus to come back, right? Any moment. Any moment, Jesus can come back in a twinkling of an eye, right when you don't expect it. Because it is all a spiritual battle. All right. Whew, 57 minutes into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit for the night. I hope you've had a fun night talking about demons. How about that? And uh, um, uh, week's coming up. I hope you have a blessed week. I'll be praying for all of you. And uh, I like, like always, if you have questions about any of this stuff or what I'm reading or any of the books or stuff, just uh, send me a, a, a message. I'm on, I'm on message here on Facebook. You can send me a note, and I'd be happy to help you uh, with any questions you might have. Okay, hope you have a great week.